it's surrounding us and how it affects us. So we're just going to talk about that, and I'm going to give it right over to the Bakes. Yeah, so uh, if you guys listened to the first episode, we kind of talked about how, you know, our experiences without calling the Marine Corps and then, you know, friends and that are in the Marine Corps that also experience the same thing. But, um, you know, something I want to talk about is, like, how it affected families, and especially our family. So, like, honestly, I can't really say my family knew about it. Um, I kind of willingly kept my family in the dark about stuff like that because – um, a fear of judgment. I don't want them to think I'm like a failure or anything like that, which uh, kind of hurts to admit um, because it's not something you should have to hide. And, uh, you know, I knew with uh, like binge drinking and going out and getting into fights and, you know, acting like an asshole because I can't hold my liquor is embarrassing enough. But, um, you know, the impact I knew it would have on like my mom and my family, um, especially seeing, you know, having a, a grandfather who was a uh, was an alcoholic and died of cirrhosis, you know his liver failed because, you know, he's been drinking for 40 plus years um, that I would, you'd think I would stay away from alcohol. And, uh, you know, it's funny, I actually was listening to uh, one podcast where, you know, uh, this guy's talking about how two brothers basically in the same family, um, their father was an alcoholic and one became a millionaire and the other was a bum and an alcoholic. And then someone came up and says, well, how are you? uh, Why are you where you are today? And they're like, oh, because my father was an alcoholic, you know? And so they basically use like a negative situation that drastically affected their life. Yeah. And that's kind of like why I don't drink now. And uh, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that. I don't, I don't know if you ever heard it, but there's a song by Brooks and Dunn. It's a country song. Um, and it's a remake of an old Western song. I don't know the original name of it, um, but it's called Living in Black and White. And uh, essentially it's the same thing. One of the brothers goes and becomes an outlaw and the other brother goes and becomes a priest. Right. And um, the outlaw ends up getting arrested, and his last dying wish is that his brother, the preacher, can come and pray over him before he goes to the death penalty. Wow. Um, and it's pretty much the exact same thing. Like, hey, we, we grew up this way, and the excuse is, oh, well, I grew up this way because my dad was an alcoholic, or whatever it is. But um, you're right. You know, we, we just we grow up, and we just decide either we're going to or we're not going to. Um, but yeah, yeah. But the thing was, like, I had like I had the cognitive ability to realize how they affected that. Like, he, both my grandfathers actually, you know, both grew up in hard times from uh, poor families, and alcohol is a vice, and people used it to get away. Even Marines used it to get away. That's you know, we talked about that in the first episode, and it still happens now. Even veterans and old Marines I know that are still in and out, they still binge drink. But you know, you know, it would, I would talk to my family and how you know family members I know that were alcoholics. You know, like I my one I didn't know him, but my great uncle was in Vietnam had PTSD when he came back. And back then no one really knew what it was. No one cared. And then you always hear stories about like Vietnam. That's how they were treated. Basically he was put in a mental institution because when he came home, all he did was drink and eventually it killed him oh, as wow. well. You know what I mean? So like the PTSD and stress took a toll on his body. He wasn't eating. All he was doing when he got back was drinking alcohol and they hospitalized him and eventually it killed him. He was just too weak and, you know, um, he was too beat up from the war. Um, but, you know, it's crazy. Like I said, I'm saying all these things. But during the looking back, I wasn't thinking about any of that. I didn't think I'd be an alcoholic. I didn't think it would affect me in any way, especially like the stories I had earlier, you know, that negative negatively impacted me. I'd never none of that really happened, you know, in my life. And I never thought it would happen. And now and I'm looking back. Actually, exactly. Yeah. Like that's, you, that's like you said, me, man. Like, that's like you know. said in the first episode. I mean, to cut you off, but like you said in the first episode, it's like it takes the one that one moment. To change everything, yeah. you know, for the worst. And it's a, and it, and, it, and I think a lot of it too is just what we're surrounded by. You know, we were talking about in the first episode, just like 
you're surrounded by your higher leadership to where it's like, hey, man, it's okay. I'm going to give you a beer. Hey, man, this is what we do. Um, you know, and we do things drunk. We do this drunk. We do this drunk. And it's normal. Like, you know, I, I used to have this, you know, one corporal. Um, and then, you know, bro, let's do that. I'll never forget, man. I, uh, we were going for Homedale Park. We were going for nine, the, the, the cross country run on, on, at Homedale Park. Right. Yeah. It's nine miles. Okay. So there was a sergeant major who was retiring who was like, hey, we're going to run the nine mile run. And I had a driver's, I picked him up. And it was 5 a.m. and he was drunk, wrecked out of his mind. And I was like, bro, you good? He's like, oh, yeah, I'm great. And I was like, bro, you haven't slept. He's like, no, but I'm ready. And this dude, no lie, was fucking ready to go on a nine-mile fucking run. And I'll never forget, it was me, him, this other dude, um, we'll call him Davi. Um, I don't want to just throw his name out there. But uh, me, him, Davi, and a couple of other Marines. And um, we're running the nine-mile run at freaking Homedale. And all of a sudden, we're at the like the last, like at the end of it, we're running up the, the end of the hill. And the sergeant major was right in front of us, at the very top. And all of a sudden, we just have this overwhelming smell of shit. And we're all like, <laughs> I know this is going. We're all looking at each other and we're like, bro, do you smell shit? And all three of us are like, yeah. Like I someone just shit themselves. And then as we continue to run up the hill, we see logs of shit. <laughs> and we're like, no. We get to the end of the run. We go down the hill. We, go, we get all the way to the top of the hill. We get down the hill. And then uh, we break off to the right. And the whole rest of the platoon of other Marines, we break off to the right. Sergeant Major breaks off to the left. All by himself. And is green on green. Jesus. And he just goes, ha! This reminds me of the time where uh, old Lance Corporal shit himself, and it was the fucking topic of the day. And we're all like, "Bro, you just shit yourself," and we all witnessed it. <laughs> and he like, we did a group. The lieutenant colonel, I guess, didn't put two and two together, and he was trying to like do a group photo as like sergeant major's last day. And the sergeant major bro just continued to keep his distance, and we were all like, "Bro, we just witnessed this." Dude, just shit his fucking pants, bro. That's like, embarrassing. And but it happens, you know. No. Like you I put mean, out that much, and but, the, it but shouldn't again, happen is the point. Yeah, you know but again, I mean? it's just me bringing this up. Was just you know like drinking, but he could hold his own. He can go on a three mile ruck. He can go on a five mile ruck, and just you would never know that he just spent the last night binge drinking. You know, was, I mean, you probably could. I'm sure you smelt it on him, but like I'm sure we both dealt with that. Like. I sure have knowing Marines that we got being one myself, just getting totally mm-hmm. fucked up before a run or a hike. And then like, you just don't be a pussy. You knew what you were doing yeah. the next day. Yeah. You're drinking till zero one or midnight. Like, Bro, you got to do it. Yeah. You're going to fucking most. And think about it. If you, if you, if you took a poll right now, like, Hey, how many new Marines out there have ever ran the PFT drunk? You're going to get like, it'd be an overwhelming. Uh, yeah. No one's going to say no. Yeah. You know, but like, and that reminds me, you know, of another time, where we were doing the, uh, have you ever heard of the Tunnel Towers run? I've not. Okay, so Tunnel Towers run is for 9-11, um, and you run through the Lincoln Tunnel. So you go from, I believe it's the Lincoln Tunnel, I might be wrong, but whatever, or the Holland Tunnel, it's one of the tunnels. Um, and you wear, like, like firefighters do it, and they do it in their whole entire getup. We did it as Marines, and we just wore flat Kevlar and boots and utes, and we did it. And I'll never forget the morning of, we showed up, and the sergeant major at the time, he was just about to retire. And uh, he, he just goes, God damn. 
I just smell whiskey. And he was like, who the fuck was up all night last night? And everybody just raised their hands. <laughs> and we ended up doing this eight-mile run through the tunnel. And uh, and then um, we got through the tunnel. And uh, there was this woman who had a different, I guess, attire on. And he just goes, look at the cooter on her. <laughs> <laughs> and, nice. uh, yeah, it was it was funny, man. But... Uh, yeah, like we really just are surrounded by alcohol. No, I know, and that's why, and that's why I was talking about like families. You know, I um, I have a a couple buddies who were in Myanmar, and uh, they knew. Well, I, I didn't know this marine, but they were telling me about a marine they knew who uh, it was during the Marine Corps ball, um, and it was him and another marine and then three corpsmen that just got back from the ball. They just, you know, they just got back on base and they're walking back to a barracks room and uh, all five of them got hit by another Marine who also just got back from the same ball. He was too drunk and was like driving on base and uh, it killed uh, one of the Marines and the three corpsmen. And my, my buddy, his friend lived and like I met him, we were talking about it. And uh, you know, I think, he, I think he was only 22 at the time. He has, metal plates in his spine and his arms and legs. You know, he had uh, like a traumatic brain injury. It almost killed him himself. Um, and, you know, my thing was like, I feel bad for their families, you know, and like I, I couldn't fathom being with all, like imagine four of your best friends just coming back from the Marine Corps ball, having an amazing time and now they're dead and now you're in critical condition. And then that, I imagine how that Marine felt too. I'm sure he ended up going to the brig or something, but yeah, you know, well, and, and it, this isn't the title of it, but we can kind of go off to it. It's like, I was just briefing to my Marines because um, we're going out to California to ITX. And, um, you know, you're just talking about, like, having to explain to family that your son died in an alcohol-related incident. Not, hey, your son died overseas. Not, hey, your son died defending his country. Your son died because somebody had an issue with alcohol and didn't say anything about it. Right. And, and it's like, how do you break that? that news, you know, and, and I was just talking to my Marines, like, we're about to go to ITX training to training for war. And there was a Lance Corporal years ago who died out in the freaking in the desert just because somebody forgot him because they didn't do proper accountability. Right. Because, and, and it's like, how do you explain that to a family member? Like, even, even just talking to me and you, like, how do I explain that to you? Yeah, hey. Like, hey, bro, I lost a Marine because I just forgot about him. Hey, I lost a Marine because I got drunk and I was a turd. Like, you can't. And, yeah. and talking about the family aspect, it's like, how do you even explain that? Like, you know, you, you know I fortunately, um, I can say that I haven't lost anybody while I was overseas. Um, I did lose one of my platoon sergeants. Um, he died in a, um, he was, um, on a, uh, on a jet ski and he passed away. Um, got into, literally was on a jet ski and, um, I guess, I don't really know what happened, but he passed away from that. He had a jet ski accident, you know, but, un but fortunately the two of us, we've never lost somebody close enough to us in a war. Right. But, you know, to sit here and have to explain it to somebody like, oh yeah, you know, it was a drunk driving accident that your son died. Like, but that's the why? truth. You know, I think you need to give that clarity to the family. You know, like why? Remember, you watch like World War Two movies and you see some guy who's like crying in a hole and then he gets blown up by a mortar. And then yeah. you know, you see these people typing on typewriters. He died valiantly, you know, fighting the war. Which I mean, yeah, like 
he had boots on the ground. He was doing the thing, but you know, the man unfortunately died. Like, uh, I, I hate to talk bad about him because I was in World War II and I obviously love World War II veterans, but like, dude, you, you were crying in a hole, then you got smoked. Yeah, I, I wouldn't want my family to know that I died that way, you know. But yeah. in the aspect of, you know, you have to give family the clarity, you know, yeah. what happened. And if they knew it was like an existing problem, uh, I think they'd probably want to know that, you know. Like, uh, we're talking about, like, yeah, I never lost any friends or anything overseas, but uh, I had one buddy who's from, uh, from 2 1 LAR. Um, his name is Diada. He, uh, we would talk. We were, we were really good buddies on the on deployment. We got back. We talked occasionally, and, we, you know, we kind of grew apart a little bit, um, you know, once, you know, the deployment ended and, like, we weren't attached anymore. Um, but we would talk here and there, and, like, everything seemed fine. And then, like, a couple years passed, same thing. We would go out to dinner once in a while, but we always kept in touch. And then I get a call from my buddy um, saying that he, uh, he killed himself. And, like, I never, I never expected it. Um, and, like, I knew he had a problem with drinking, but – I know for a fact that he was drinking and like, I ended up getting the details later that he was intoxicated and was dealing with some things and couldn't handle it and killed himself. And he had a complicated past, but you know, no matter how my buddy and I would check up on him all the time. Um, we we're really close to them. And, you know, we just never thought, you know, he would push himself to do that, that he would have that type of mentality. Cause he's a really, really strong guy. And the Marine Corps for him was going in an awesome direction, getting meritoriously promoted to sergeant. He was a refugee from Senegal, you know, which is like wow. pretty, pretty awesome feat in itself, you know, to survive, you know, small wars and genocide in Senegal and, you know, to get meritoriously promoted and then, you know, be a refugee. And he joined the Marine Corps late. He was, I think he was like 31, I believe, when he died wow. or 32, um, you know, which in the Marine Corps is pretty, pretty old, you know, yeah. but uh, yeah, man. And, uh, there's nothing I hate to say. It, there's really nothing, anything we can do. Like he ended up going to Texas and took his life and, you know, but my buddy and I would check up on him all the time and we never knew. And like, same thing in the Marine Corps, you always see the signs, you know, like look out for Marines, look out for people drinking. And, you know, sometimes, you know, we're always looking for the signs, but it's right under our nose and we can't do anything about it. We don't even notice. So if you don't want me asking, how did you, how did you take that? Like when you found out that he had passed away, like I was, uh, I was working for, I was doing deliveries at the time and, uh, I was at work just about to head home. Um, yeah, dude, I, I cried on the way home, man. It hit me pretty hard. Cause I just talked to him the day before telling me how everything's going great. He met the commandant getting meritoriously promoted. Like I'm thinking like, dude, that's, that's pretty awesome. Like, I never met a commandant, you know, Yeah. Uh, or got meritoriously promoted. So I'm thinking everything's great. And then, you know, probably 25 hours, 24 or 24 hours later, um, I'm getting a phone call from my buddy, Andrew telling me what happened. And I just didn't expect it, man. You know, it's a, uh, it was a gut punch. Yeah. But, uh, and how did, how did you deal with that? Uh, I talked to my buddy, Andrew, we he's the only other person I talked to from two one that was still good friends with him. Um, so kind of were the only ones I could, he's the only one I could relate to and talk about him. And, uh, you know, we still talk about him, about him all the time and how we miss him and everything. But, you know, I would assume that if he just had a better handle on his alcohol and like typical of a Marine, he wasn't one to just sit there. And like the only time he would ever talk about the detrimental things in his life was through alcohol. We'd sit there, share a bottle of Jack, which I'm sure you could probably say the same thing. Yeah. You know, you know, you, you won't talk about shit until you're fucked up. And then you're in like a state of mind where you're comfortable with the company you're with. And, you know, uh, what's that saying? Drunk, uh, drunk thoughts, speak sober words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and but any other time you try to talk to him when he's sober and even out of uniform or just out in town or something, would never would never talk about it. But uh but you just deal with it, dude. You know, you move on and that's it, man. 
you know, really not much you can do for it. Yeah, I definitely, um, I definitely get that, man. Um, so I'm not gonna give too much in context, but um, it's uh, I think the hardest thing about being in the Marine Corps or the military is you never know when you should say something and when you shouldn't say something. Right. And at the same time, you're worried that if I say something, if that person finds out, they might lose all trust and confidence in me. And I'm going to tell you firsthand that happened to me. Right. Um, or you're scared for a, your career, too. Yeah, exactly. So I had a, uh, I had a really close friend of mine. Um, and him and his wife had a lot of issues. And um, his wife had very telltale signs of suicidal ideation and stuff, um, alcoholism. Um, and I felt, I don't remember why, but I felt compelled um, to say something. And I was in, sitting in a meeting with staff, a whole bunch of staff and CEOs, and um, they brought it up. They were like, hey, like every month you go over. Just, hey, is there anybody in the command that we need to worry about? Is there anything going on that we need to keep, you know, should a light on? And um, I brought said name Marine up. And I just said, listen, you know, all I know is from what I see. And I see these, you know, X, Y, and Z. Um, and I'm just worried about this Marine. Not, he's not at all. But I, I see that his family is not going in the right direction. And I'm just worried that, God forbid, something might happen. Because on recruiting duty, you've got a lot of things going on. You know, you're not home. You're not there with your family. And I, and I, you know, I said this. You know, so I told them this. And I guess, like, now, mind you, when this conversation happened, the conversation was said that this this conversation would never leave the room. Right. That was that. Hey, this will never leave the room. You're good. Say what you got to say. A day later. I get a call from my best friend. You motherfucker, you fucking piece of shit. You're a fucking scumbag. Why would you fucking tell the command about my family? And now, mind you, I thought I was doing the right thing. Right. Which I think you were. Yeah. You're looking out for But him. now, but now, mind you, his prospect. Now, mind you, I, I don't. He just, at that moment, he told me that. And then he just never, like, at that moment when he called me and told me that. He stopped talking to me for the next year. Right. Didn't speak to me, wanted nothing to do with me. If he saw me, he would just walk away like that was it. Didn't respect my phone calls, nothing. And uh, now a couple of years later, where we're at right now in life, me and him finally were able to talk about it. We were finally able to just like, I was able to explain my piece. And um, he explained it to me in a way where like, again, it's just something you don't think about. And I was like, I told him my part. Hey, man, this is how I felt. This is why I said it. And he looked at me and he was like, bro, but you got to understand something. He was like, you told a whole bunch of people who've never met my wife that she has a problem. Right. And then they did nothing to help us. What were they going to do? They didn't do anything. But you didn't. He know was that. exactly. You, know you know what I mean? But he, he had was, his best. In, yeah. Yeah. He had his best interest in mind. Exactly. But he was like, but really all you did for me is you made it worse. You know, now I have this sergeant major calling me. Hey, are you okay? I have these people calling me. Are you okay? But he was like, realistically, it didn't do anything for me. I mean, I think that does it because you have 
staff NCOs and you said a CO and stuff is yeah. going to, they're checking up on him. They're holding him accountable. And you know, it's, it's the same thing. Like it's weird because yeah, like you told your buddy's business out there, but who knows what could have happened if you didn't. And you'll never know. You'll never know the other outcome, you know, because this isn't like Marvel. You're not going to go out. Yeah. And, you know, you can't experience different, uh, different realities, but who knows? Maybe, maybe his wife killed him, you know, killed herself or he killed himself or, or whatever. You never know what could have happened if you didn't do what you did. Um, I, and that was a problem I'd have. I feel like, you know, things I would fuck up on or I need help with something. And I know if I said something to the wrong person, that's my ass. And uh, thankfully I, I had NCOs I was able to confide in and talk to and be like, Hey man, like I have this fucking problem. And it was, it was handled, you know, yeah. but at the same time, you know, uh, I think he did the right thing for your buddy. I, I get he was salty, but he needed time to heal as well, obviously. But now that you guys are talking and he just needed time and he let it, you know, it's water under the bridge now. Yeah. But uh, have you ever dealt crazy. with that in any other situation? Like any other kind of. Um, yeah. So, you know, I would, I was a pretty uh, sketch Marine myself and I would always find myself like, for instance, we had a health and comfort. And uh, we all know how those go. And of course, me being a dumbass. What is the health and comfort? Right. So, yeah. So, for those of you who don't know, health and comfort is like basically a surprise room inspection for paraphernalia that you have in your barracks room weapons, drugs, alcohol, uh, women, you know, et cetera. The list goes on. So, we had one of these on like a Monday morning, like zero five, be outside your rooms. And I'm like, um, okay. And I'm outside. And, uh, I knew exactly what it was and I'm shitting bricks and my, uh, thankfully my, to this day, one of my best buds, but he was my platoon sergeant. I would knock on his door and I'm like, dude, I have a fucking problem. I have three bottles of liquor in my, in my room. And, uh, I have, uh, I ended up going hunting with a buddy the week before and I had a rifle in there, which you're not supposed to have. In your room. <laughs> yes. In my room. Bears, yeah. You're not okay. supposed to have. I, right, Marines so do it. So let's yeah. run by this. You yeah. had three bottles and a rifle. Right. In your, with ammunition. Your yeah. And you're in yeah, your barracks. Absolutely. So, oh, right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Not good to go. And I knew it, but like we were saying, you know, not thinking about it, didn't give a shit. Thought nobody was going to catch me. You know, it, we all kind of do. We all try to get away yeah. with things yeah. we think we're going to we're going to get away with. And uh, thankfully, this I did get away with. But, you know, I. Uh, I was like, hey, dude, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what to do. And he's like, well, man, uh, if you can get it out of there, get it out. And I was like, OK. And then basically, let me just take everything I threw it. Uh, I was able to throw it in my vehicle and get rid of all the bottles. I just chucked them away before we ended up doing the room inspection. Oh, wow. But, uh, but yeah, man, it was freaking, I was, I was shitting bricks. You know what I mean? Cause I've, I've heard of Marines like getting caught with one bottle uh, and it didn't even have to be full. It could be in the garbage, but it's a whole bottle of Jameson, which is proof that you drank that in your room. And it's more than the legal limit you're allowed to have in your room, especially as a junior Marine. You know, I, I'm pretty sure even as junior Marines, not even allowed to have like, or unless you have an NCO in your room, which well, would never happen either. But uh, yeah, man, and like they're getting NJP. So imagine what would have happened if I got caught with a weapon, an unregistered weapon on base, <laughs> by, mind you, and bottles of liquor. You know, and uh, needless to uh, say, I never did that again. The only time, like, I would always throw my trash out, which you should do anyway. But I would always now I throw my trash out the night before after a long weekend. You know, but uh, dude, yeah, what's I, the craziest NJP you've ever heard of? Ooh, the craziest ever that i've ever heard of or witnessed yeah. so witness, that i've ever witness, heard of witness. um ever witnessed so i had a buddy um with the uh 24th community i believe and he was telling me how and this is years back i wasn't even in the marine corps at the time but he was telling me when he got back 
Um, one of the guys in his platoon, he was part of a CLB too, as well. Um, one of his, uh, one of the Marines in his unit, been to Afghan like two or three times, and uh, they ended up going to like Haiti and doing some other some random fucking random ops. But then he came back, and he, apparently he was really fucked up in the head, PTSD, and all that other stuff. And no one ever talked about it. He never went to counseling or anything. But one night, apparently, he snapped, and uh, he ended up killing another Marine and beheaded him and dragged his body in a pickup truck. So, like, I tried to, like, talk to other Marines that might have served then, and I tried to confirm it because I couldn't find anything online or whatever. But that was fucking the craziest thing. And, like, the PMO came. He was naked, covered in the guy's blood when they found him. And he surrendered. Apparently, he didn't try to fight or anything. But, like, that's probably the craziest thing I've ever heard. Because, like, I, I don't know how you get so drunk and out of your mind, where you literally slaughter another Marine and cut his head off and paint yourself in his blood, but that's it's fucking insane and uh, pretty pretty vile, man. But yeah, that's probably, that's probably the craziest. And I, I guess you can't consider that an NJP, but that's probably the worst NJPable offense. Yeah, you know that guy. That guy definitely went to the brig for that. But that's probably one of the worst uh, NJP, if you will, NJP stories I've ever heard. Other than that, it's normal like pop on a piss test, DUI. Um, well, I had I had a buddy of mine. Uh, yeah, go ahead. My buddy Ray um, got NJP'd for speeding on base. I've heard of that. They're literally just speeding. Like went over the went over, and now he has an NJP. Literally, and and I believe he uh, it was rank and time like time like money. Too. Oh, so they hit him. With yeah, everything. like fully hit on. And now he just got passed. How over. fast was he going? I don't Did he do like five over? I'm That's not nuts. sure, but I do know that when he got passed over for Gunny, which was recently. They literally said it's because you're NJP, which was <sighs> nine years ago, for speed. Wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. They still yeah. brought that shit oh, up. Oh, yeah. Jesus. They just, yeah. So for all of you out there who think it's never going to come back up, just remember it's going to come back up. It's there forever. You know, I will, I will say this. He didn't get NJP for it. He got like a 6105. But I fell asleep on duty one time um, with, with a, a Marine from a neighboring unit, CLB-13, who's right next to us. We both fell asleep, and uh, I got a radio thrown at me. And, you know, Sergeant Major uh, Brewer, I think he was CLB-13s, Sergeant Major walked in, chewed our asses for, like, 15 minutes, made us row, whatever. And, like, I'm shitting bricks because, like, again, I was new in the fleet. They're about to tell my gunny, and then he's going to tell, you know, my NCOs, and I'm just going to get fucking slayed. Thankfully, nothing happened. No one – I went to the, I went to work the next day. I didn't get duty recovery or anything like that, and I'm like, oh, my God, here it comes. I walked in. I was like, hey, good morning. And they're like – Good morning. And I'm like, oh, all right, cool. No one knew. <laughs> I ended up having duty a month later with that same corporal. And I'm like, oh, dude, well, uh, what happened that night? And he's like, no shit. Um, they were trying to NJP me for sleeping on duty. And he's like, one of the captains uh, or it was one of his COs was like, uh, we should try him for the death penalty. And I'm like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> for real? Exactly. And he's like, his, his argument was that I fell asleep in a time of war since we're still in Iraq and Afghanistan, that I fell asleep on duty while we're at war. I'm like, but we're in Camp Hamilton. He's like, that's what I said. He's like, obviously I'm here. Like, they're not going to fucking kill yeah. me. I'm like, is that even a thing? What? But yeah, and I'm like, I I was, I don't know if I would feel the same about my higher-ups ever again if an officer tried yeah, to crazy. put the death penalty so, on um, fall asleep. Real me. quick, we have two minutes left. So you brought up the sergeant majors. I'm just going to throw this out there. Right. So I'm in Afghanistan, right? And there's this dude, I'm going to throw his name out there, Magulik. And the way that he talked, he would always just be like, Yes, Sergeant. Like that's just how he talked, right? It's this old Polish dude from a goofball. Uh, yeah, he but oh, yes, Sergeant. So this dude, we come back from a run. We were just on the road for three months. I mean, three weeks. 
and um, we're all in the showers. We get out of the shower, sitting right next to him, and um, Magula gets out. And as soon as he gets out, there's a sergeant major who he gets out at the exact same time. There's no curtain, nothing. And they're both butt naked. <laughs> the sergeant major was this African-American dude with this big dick. And Magula just looks at him, and he's just drying off. And I'm standing right there. And Sergeant Major looks at him and goes, you're not going to give me the proper greeting of the fucking oh day, God. Marine? And then Magula just looks over and goes, you're fucking naked, Sergeant Major. Your dick's <laughs> hanging out. And he just, bro, he gets blasted, bro. Funniest shit ever, bro. That's awful. And, and then we both just grabbed their towels, wrapped them around their waist, and just walked out, bro. But, um, hey, at the end of the day, this episode was literally just about kind of just some of our stories that we've had. We've dealt with NJ, uh, NJPs, some of the stories that we've dealt with alcoholism. Um, and again, we just want to hear from you guys about some ways that you've been able to cope with it or and or how to deal with it. So if you have anything that you want to do, uh, just let us know. And that's it. Have a good night. Bye.